A very good evening and welcome. Later on in this evening's programme, Joe Jackson talks about some unlikely discoveries in gay song lyrics. Hitchhiked away across USA Plucked her eyebrows on the way Shaved her legs and then he was a she She says, hey babe, take a walk on the wild side Said, hey honey, take a walk on the wild side Well now, there we had Lou Reed with his classic Walk on the Wild Side. Now, improbable as it may seem, a new book claims that Walk on the Wild Song is actually a gay song. Not only that, but the author of Rock on the Wild Side, Wayne Studer, claims that other seemingly straight songs like Stranger in the Night and of all things Obla Di Obla Da are actually loaded with homosexual references. Joe Jackson has been reading Rock on the Wild Side and is about to tell us whether it's a startling new piece of research or some wishful thinking. Now, I can understand the Lou read one there because there are all kinds of low life, sad railway track, wrong side of the tracks references about these poor unfortunate characters living on the wild side mm -hmm. I can understand that in there there might be something but it, has this guy been fair about what he's dealing with Joe or has he gone over the top? I think in relation to something like Lou Reed, and because he, uh, his interpretation of Wild even roots it into Oscar Wilde. So it's W-I-L-D-E? Oh, he's on. claiming, no, that's his interpretation of. And there is, I can see the look of in, in, incredulousness on your face. There is that aspect in the book where anything that gives the slightest hint that it can be reappropriated in the name of gayness is dragged in that direction. But I mean, I think it's totally legitimate to take Walk on the Wild Side because that kind of is an evocation of the Andy Warhol movies of the 60s. The characters in the song are all taken from the Andy Warhol movies. Yeah. So it very much captures. And something you said there, I hate to pick you up on it, but I must. He actually attacks Lou Reed for presenting gay life as low life. Oh, saying that it's kind of like in a revisionist view of, of movies that presented gays or plays, there's a tendency for it all to be looked at again and say, well, representing gays was good in one way, but if it was only negative, it was counterproductive. So he attacks Bowie for songs like Cracked Actor, and he attacks Lou Reed certainly for many of the songs because it just has that CD totally sexual kind of aspect to the lives of the people involved. Now, uh, he changes, sorry, he changes it at the very end <clears> because uh, Lou Reed then did a song on New York, New York called... Um, the Halloween Parade AIDS, which is a far more sympathetic view of gays. So as well as kind of reappropriating re the songs, okay. it is a revisionist kind of reading of okay. them. Okay, and so he's he's taking targets and just firing at them. And I mean, that, yeah. the, the fact in, in our little discussion here, it would be very easy to assume that any name that might be mentioned in passing could be assumed to be gay or well, anything else. And musicians, performers, band leaders or whoever. Such would not be the case. People on the art show? Whatever. Yeah, people on the art show, exactly. <laughs> you know, so. No, I mean, it's, that is actually such a sensitive area that in the uh, preface to the book, there's a very lengthy and a very intricate paragraph which states that not only that uh, should any reference to any singer, producer, musician, composer... Uh, anything, anybody related to these songs, should it be assumed that they are either gay or bi? Okay. So, but but to me that indicates homo the homophobia that exists in rock and roll. Okay. And I think a really telling thing is that of all the uh, publishers he approached for permission to use lyrics, only two said yes. Did they really? 
You know? So, okay, so first of all, uh, anybody who is mentioned on this, it is not necessarily unfair no. that there is any uh, inference they might be gay or anything like that. But secondly, um, let me t take that publishing thing as only two responded. I remember on one of the previous programmes you were on with me, and I was terribly surprised when you mentioned about Little Richard <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> all the, the little catch cry that apparently... Well, the, you're okay. You didn't get it right there. This, even. Was, a, okay. this was a gay catch cry, it is, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. A wap a Boom, uh, Tootie Fruity was originally good booty, which means good ass. Gosh. <laughs> that was the original really? saying, the original telling, and he turned it around. But I, uh, I saw Little Richard at the Grammys, and I mean, again, it was a telling indictment of homophobia and rock. He had just won the Lifetime Achievement Award, and he was not asked to, to appear on the stage of the television broadcast to accept the award. And he was walking through the uh, hotel lobby saying, you know, he's been frozen out again because, number one, he's black, and number two, because he, he has come out as gay. So you can't categorically say okay. that Richard was gay. So there is that kind of element of... The obvious know. one that anybody would pick out if you're talking about uh, the gay movement in in uh, rock has got to be YMCA, yeah. uh, village people, hasn't yeah. it? I mean, it's yeah. just so obviously so that it's hardly worth I don't mentioning. Know. Yeah, I, don't play know. A bit well, I don't know if at the time everybody... And I mean, I thought one of the highlights of Fela this year was uh, when they played the video of YMCA. I mean, the stadium, the, the whole place erupted. But I don't know if in the early 70s people realised that it was such a and or indeed that village people's music in general was such a core celebration of gay sexuality yes. Yes. i don't particularly think they did Well, there we are, YMCA, and there we had Village People. Now, in this book, um, I, I understand that this man is taking songs, like I mentioned in the introduction, like, I mean, Strangers in the Night, for goodness sake. I mean, we'll play a little flash of it in a moment. But, but to say that Strangers in the Night has gay connotations, I mean, do you th are you as incredulous as I am about that? Uh, well, I actually felt... Uh I love that song, and I probably because my father loved it, and I've, I've heard it ever since I was a child, and I've always seen it as kind of a depiction of a couple meeting uh, and becoming lovers, whatever. And maybe that is where this uh, author gets the whole thing wrong, that he limits the reading of a love song to homosexual love. Whereas I think it would be better to say, OK, I don't think uh, something or Strangers in the Night can, yes, it can be about a gay couple. He says it's a step-by-step -step breakdown of the gay cruising process. And that's all. But I think it would be better if you would just say, yes, it can be that, but it also could be just a heterosexual couple, but I mean, couple meeting and falling But couldn't you take about. any love song you could. and say, oh, it's not between a man and a woman at all, it's between two women or two men? I mean, almost any love song. Well, I think that's actually the healthiest way to do it. But the other argument is that because gays have been so oppressed in a homophobic business like rock that they have needed to turn the messages which aren't directed directly at the gay community into a coded language. Strangers in the night Exchanging glances Wandering in the night What were the chances We'd be sharing love before the night was through Something in your eyes Was so inviting Something in your smile Was so exciting Something in my heart 
told me I must have you. Strangers in the night, two lonely people, we were strangers in the night. Up to the moment when we said our first hello, little did we know. Love was just a glance away, a warm embracing dance away. And ever since that night, we've been together, lovers at first sight. In love forever, it turned out so right for strangers in the night. I'll tell you, every Uncle Harry who ever sang Strangers in the Night at a wedding, whether they liked it or not, is going to be cringing to think that he might have been singing a gay song. Unless he was singing I think Uncle it's a travesty. John. I think it's terrible, the, even the suggestion. OK, Joe Jackson, you have been saying through the course of this um, conversation that the rock industry is effectively homophobic. Now, what are the practical applications of that, in your view? I, uh, I think it's homophobic because... Uh, people choose their male rock heroes almost to um, solidify their own view of their own sexuality and because uh, the predominant audience for rock is male and there was a poll done in Rolling Stone in 1988 in which 78% of their readers said that they were anti-homosexual. Now that would strongly suggest homophobia. But the other economic layer to that is that as in Hollywood, male symbols such as Rock Hudson, uh, their careers are built upon appealing to women who dream of either having affairs with them, marrying them, being their lovers. Yeah. So that if you kind of cancel that out and you say, well, actually, Rock Hudson wouldn't even touch your hand. Yes. And you apply that across the boards to pop stars. And there would be British pop stars, American pop stars and Irish pop stars whose careers have similarly been built on appealing to a female audience who live in that fantasy realm. Mm -hmm. Now, if you shatter that by telling those women uh, there is no chance of this, you kill a career. Okay. So that it's not just homophobia, it makes economic sense not to come out. And so, and so then, what about the, the male singers who have come out or been forced out right. through the years? What, what effect has it had well, on their careers? I think it's, it's absolutely disgusting that somebody like uh, Johnny Ray, who, who was... Uh, there's another book called The Vinyl Closet by Bose Hadley, which is very hard to get, and it looks at the Johnny Ray story, and Ray was... Uh, was arrested on morals charges in the 1970s and in this book there's an interview with him and he claims that it was a setup by a rival male singer from the early 50s who felt he'd stolen his audience. But Johnny Ray's input to rock history which is considerable in that before Elvis Presley he integrated uh, black inflections into white popular music. Hmm. Now I know Al Jolson did the same thing and Louis Armstrong did the same thing in jazz but Presley is always too often given the credit for that. So Ray's and Tony Bennett has told me that he took a lot of his cues from someone like Johnny Ray. Presley adored Johnny Ray, covered his hits such a night. But you never see Johnny Ray get He's any been credit. Written out. Totally written out. And well, the other person is Johnny Mathis. I mean Mathis was an icon to match Elvis Presley in the 1950s. And I know that Mathis was a friend of Presley's and called him and said if you're releasing a hard rocker I'm going to release something that's really gentle and romantic. So they were both hitting the same market. Because as Mathis came out in the early 70s, he again is dismissed as, quote, the African queen. And this yeah. kind of all his work, and some of it which is, is artistically viable and very credible, is written out because, again, it doesn't reflect what males in rock want reflected of their own sexuality. Extraordinary. Now, talk about the Beatles, too. And, and uh, I know that this man is making extraordinary claims about some very simple instances in the recording studio with uh, Lennon McCartney. Yeah, the, the classic one which really points to the fallacy of uh, too quickly reappropriating a pop song is Obla Dee, Obla Da, uh, where 
it seems, and I think he cites the incident, that McCartney in singing the lyric was supposed to say, Molly stays at home and does a pretty face, and, and mistakenly sang, Desmond stays at home and does his pretty face. And at the end of the cut, you know, George Martin or whoever said, uh, wonderful take, leave it, great, we've got the record. McCartney said, no, I made a mistake. And Lennon, jokingly being who he was, said, no, I'll let, it, let them puzzle over that one. Ever the iconoclast. Yeah, he was, you know. And uh, this guy again says, and what I don't like about it is that, although I see the validity to a degree, that I have interpreted the song this way, the gay community has interpreted it this way, therefore our interpretation is valid because it's come, become part of uh, current coinage. <laughs> Rightio then, Joe Jackson, um, we're, we're speaking about um, homosexuality. Let's talk about lesbianism. I mean, we've spoken before on this programme about um, the, the trend in lesbian groups now and that, that they're very upfront about, right. about their presentation and so on. Um, KD Lang, I suppose, is a good example of someone who is capitalising on her lesbianism. Yeah, well, the, the subtitle of this book is Gay Male Images in Popular Music of the Rock Era. And he does ca categorically state that the same, a similar book ought to be done about lesbian readings of, uh, of uh, pop songs going right back to... Uh, I mean, in the vinyl closet, there's a section on blues singers such as Ma Rainey, uh, Bessie Smith, Billie Holiday, uh, coming from a book called Homosexuality, Homosexuality in Harlem in the 1920s, which claims that they all had lesbian relationships. But I mean, who's going be getting to say? No, but I mean, I mean, in the 1920s, I mean, I, this whole thing about but, copyright, that somebody, once somebody is dead, anybody can write anything they like about right, them. I mean, right. maybe they didn't have. But why? But if, even if, if they but, did, what does it matter? Yes, but, but I think that's more the point. I mean, why? you almost seem like uh, <laughs> you're, you're shaking up my icons by saying yeah. they did this. <laughs> Next you minute you're telling me that Boy George is strange. He's <laughs> <It's> strange. <laughs> <laughs> but he says that uh, no, uh, there there is um, a strong case to be made because when I interviewed Zrazi and I think we talked about those before, they said the only role model they had in rock in the nineteen eighties or even the late seventies would be Patti Smith with her song yeah. Gloria. So someone like uh, Katie Lang is a capitalising or b actually giving an incredibly positive role model for lesbian women with um, songs like uh, Wash Me Clean and Constant Craving, which depict sexuality in a, in a more holistic sense than yeah. male rock and roll does. Constant craving, here it is. Now. Yeah. 
All right, Joe Jackson, uh, in the book, Rock on the Wild Side, we're like a lot of this is kind of um, conjecture. A lot of it is, I'd say, frankly made up, and a lot of it is figments of the man's imagination. But are You're there just any... not buying this. No, I'm not buying it. No, is there, is there any kind of stuff that you to... would admire that is good, straightforward reportage? Well, actually, the same response. I did a, a feature on this for the next issue of Hot Press, and the whole article was held up for two or three weeks because the editor, uh, Niall Stokes, couldn't agree with the reappropriation of U2's one, which this guy describes as the most moving rumination on troubled family relationships I've ever heard. And he says that lyrics like, uh, you act like you never had love and you want me to go without says it's not hard to visualise the kind of highly, highly charged emotional turmoil that AIDS can inspire. Now, many people might object to him suggesting that the narrator in one is an AIDS victim. But um, before now, I ran this article, he checked with you, with U2's people and they say that Bono had stipulated that the pro proceeds from the record should go to the American Foundation of, for AIDS Research and that there was that dimension. And if the gay community, and I actually totally would agree with this, if the gay community, specifically those who are suffering from any AIDS related illness, get uh, consolation from this song. Let them reappropriate yeah, it all not? the way they all can. Right. We're going out on that right. uh, piece of music which is coming up now. So, Joe Jackson, thank you very much indeed for coming in and, <laughs> and giving us some rather unusual views as expressed in those two books, Rock on the Wild Side and Vinyl Closet. From the Art Show, for tonight till tomorrow, goodbye. The Art Show, presented by Mike Murphy, was produced by Bernadette Comerford.